the email read this way. We were moving across country, Pastor Jeff, and I found that we couldn't find housing. A friend invited us to live with them until we found a home, but they, they also shared meals with us, and they introduced us at the same time, though they didn't have to, they introduced us to many of their friends. Three years later, we had to move away again, but in that three years, we counted at least 50 homes that welcomed us in to fellowship, all because one person loved us like Jesus and let us stay in their home as we looked for a home. Pastor Jeff, I knew a retired couple when I was in college. And they really embodied God's love towards college students. They really poured their lives into students by mentoring many of them, having students over for lunch every weekend. And in general, they were very self-sacrificial and giving of their time and energy, these retired folks, to these young people. I would say that they were very mindful and approachable in their example of godly love. And then I want to tell you about some amazing women, she wrote me, who cared for me, who connected me to other caring women, and one specifically who offered me a place to live. They helped me move everything from where I was living to my new place. I couldn't have moved out of that hard situation and done it without them loving me like Jesus. We all know who they are. Those people who have left an indelible mark on us because they loved us like Jesus. For just a moment, I want you to think in your mind of the name of a person in your lifetime who's loved you like Jesus. But first, the old adage is all good things must come to an end. I think it's fair to say this series has been a good thing. We have leaned into the call to walk in the way of love as we see in Ephesians 5.2. Walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And it has caused me, and I hope us, to ask, how can I actually do that? Someone told me just recently that this is changing their life. And they said this, I'm not there yet, but I'm on the way, and this is changing my life, of getting outside of myself. So, so we are asking, how can I actually do that? And and yet, all things must come to an end, right? I mean, that's what we kind of say in our world. Except for this. What if we decide to not let this come to an end? To help us consider that, we look to what is considered probably a great place for us to go, 
the very first letter written by the Apostle Paul, written probably somewhere around the end of 49 AD, maybe 50 AD, to a group of people who lived in what we know today as northern Greece or the country of Macedonia that we have today. Thessalonica was a premier city in that region, very much so. It was culturally diverse. It had an incredibly strong economy. And it was this place that had this fierce sense of independence. Does this sound at all any familiar to any of us here? That kind of a world, that kind of a culture? It was positioned along what is known as the Ignatian Way, which is like the I-90 that connected Eastern Europe to the Roman Empire. But also Thessalonica was focused, was kind of rooted in pagan, I think what we would call pre-Christian values. Does any of this sound familiar? Listen to what is said about them and, and let's see what we can learn about loving like Jesus. Beginning with verse 9 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we hear these words. There's no need for anyone to say much to you about loving your fellow believers. For God is continually teaching you to unselfishly love one another. Indeed, your love is what you're known for throughout Macedonia. We urge you, beloved ones, to let this unselfish love increase and flow through you more and more. Aspire to lead a calm and peaceful life as you mind your own business and earn your living just as you were taught. Paul writes this letter wanting these believers to grow and live genuine Christian lives in this region, this very different region, this region that was filled with Gentiles and Jews, this region that had Latin-speaking and Greek-speaking citizens, this, this setting. And one thing stands out, stands right out, as for their impact on the pagan world around them. Because when you drill down in this letter, a recurring theme seems to rise to the surface. There are at least nine references, nine occurrences, where the idea of love comes to the surface, most of the time referring to how these folks loved and how they impacted their world. Now, there are two ways we can read this text. Uh, two ways we can read the Bible, really, but two ways we can read this text. We can read it and try and study it and understand it, and as we've already done this morning, try to understand the context and the key words and the exegesis and all the things we need to know in our mind as to what was going on at that time, and we can try to master this text that way. And I think we should. But also, perhaps more important, we can let this scripture read us and let the text study us. So I sit with this text. I sit with this story of the Thessalonians and I ask one question. How did Paul know that these people were so powerfully impacting the culture that was all around them. How did he know this? I mean, there was no hip church to attend where the pastor podcasted his sermon, no social media feed where updates to their loving ministry could be tweeted, no newspapers, no cable news network 
Not even a Christian Pandora station to promote what they were doing. There was no PR blitz, no cool website, no Facebook post or blog. How in the world did Paul the Apostle know? It was all about the stories. Imagine the stories he heard. And we know that he heard the stories. They're they're not recorded for us here. But we know this from 1 Thessalonians 3.6. Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and your love. So, so Timothy is like Paul's protege, right? And, and so Timothy comes back to Paul. He says, listen, you, got, you, got, you have to get this. Look what's happening in Thessalonica. I imagine in my imagination... <laughs> It goes something like this. Paul, Paul, let me tell you. Let me tell you about Zoe. She is trying to love her neighbor who is ill, even though her neighbor goes down to the emperor worship idol every day and offers a sacrifice. And Zoe's trying to love her. She's very ill. And let me, let me tell you about Demetrius. He, he, he found this Roman soldier along the Ignatian Way and and that Roman soldier just looked despondent and, and Demetrius just began to talk to him and offer to him condolences and prayers and, and he was able to share his faith with him. I imagine that's the kind of stories because Timothy came to him and gave him, it says, the good news about their faith and their love. Now remember, this is not a Christian or even a predominantly Jewish area. Quite to the contrary. This was a pagan region that favored emperor worship and any god that would help get what they wanted. Just imagine what we imagine a totem pole to be and they were lined up all over the place in Thessalonica. And in this setting, in that setting, the church thrived. In a setting where Christianity, by all appearances, was nothing. And even where it was opposed. The faith thrived. And the question is, why? Why? They didn't didn't have laws that made it the national religion. They They didn't have... programs that were all driven around Jesus, they had none of that. At a social level, at a cultural level, at a government level, at a national level, why did it thrive? Verse 10 tells us, your love is what you're known for throughout Macedonia. So the question then is this, what are you known for? Maybe you can write that question down and think about that all week long. What am I known for? Wherever you're going to go this week, whomever you're going to encounter, we have the joy and the privilege and you know, the necessity of being together for an hour on a Sunday morning. But you're going to be somewhere. You're going to be in the retail sector, the education sector, the engineering sector, the home sector, the school sector, What are you known for there? What am I known for wherever I go? 
These people, you see, they lived the story of the love of God in their lives before their neighbors. They became evidence of the truth of God. They, they built credible witnesses with their lives, which then gave credibility to their words about the gospel. When they spoke the gospel boldly, out of love to their neighbors, about the necessity of having Jesus Christ as their Savior, it was backed not by some argument, but by lives that told the story of the love of God. And I wonder, what if, what if I really became like them? My life being a story of Jesus and his love. Well, the, the practices in this series that we've been talking about are not exhaustive, and they're not meant really to stand in isolation of one another. In fact, they're a very imperfect attempt at weaving a tapestry of the love of God to our world through us. This is, these are the practices we've been talking about. Number one, be mindful and truly see your neighbor. Truly see them. Be approachable and open to others, especially those who aren't like you. Be one who offers the same grace that has been offered to you. Make that wide birth of grace. Be bold to speak the truth in love, but make sure it's truly in love. And then be self-giving in living with a self-forgetful focus, seeking the highest and best good for others. As I said, we, we all know who they are. Those people in our lives that leave an indelible mark on us. So the email said, when I watch the compassion and passion my wife has for helping others, I see the love of Jesus. But especially the way she loves our children and the way she treats me. She loves like Jesus all the time. And then this person. A lady stopped by my desk when I started a new job. She brought me a rose and a vase from her own garden, just wanting to welcome me to the company and chatted with me for a few minutes. She then invited me over for dinner at her home, and, and it was there I discovered that she was a Christian, and she felt it was her call in life to make people feel special, no matter where she was. And then from one of our students... One of my classmates invited me to a gathering at their church. And because I saw the witness that he had in school, even when our classmates were mistreating him and teasing him for his faith, I went. I knew no one, and his church was Brazilian, and I didn't speak Brazilian. But one girl invited me to sit with her, she welcomed me and loved me like Jesus. And then she writes this. She noticed me. She welcomed me. And she made the bystander part of the family. She refused to leave one behind. And lastly, 
I have been loved by Jesus, by someone who walked with me when my son died. They did not even know me, but welcomed me into their life and the life of God. As I was drinking my problems away and struggling with anger and pain over my son's death, they stayed in my corner and for years remained my friend. I am not sure I would have made it through if my friend was not there for me, loving me like Jesus would. You know who they are. Who are the people who have loved you like Jesus? Do you have that name in your mind? Whose lives told the story of Jesus and his love? Don't ever forget their names. But something else happens as we become the story of God's love. Les Parrott refers to a study called the Rimland study, really, the Bernard Rimland study, where people were asked to list 10 others they knew best, and if the people that they knew seemed happy. They were then asked if those who were happy seemed selfish or unselfish. In other words, were those people um, you know, sacrificial in their love for other people? And the results were these. 70% of those viewed as unselfish seemed happiest. But the other one is so devastating. But true. 95% of those who were selfish were viewed as unhappy. Which one would you fall under? The, the, the unselfish, by, by far, the, the unselfish ones who were busy giving themselves to others were the happiest. And, and those who made sure life was about them were the least happy. And I wonder if that is what happened with the Thessalonians. I wonder if that's why they had such an impact on their neighbors, because their unselfish love not only led them to help their neighbors, but their unselfish love revealed joy and happiness in their life. While the neighbors around them, remember the culture they're in, they're in a Roman culture, the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire was known for its self-absorption. I wonder in that culture that focused on selfish self-satisfaction, when those people in that culture looked on, they saw something in these self-giving people of joy that drew them in because they didn't get wrapped up in themselves. Everything I've said to this point, I've said to say this. Firstly, we must begin to see our lives as a story about God's love. Your life, your life, the Bible says, is a letter written by the Spirit of God. It doesn't matter where you are in your life. It doesn't matter if you are here and you say, well, I don't even know if I believe any of this stuff. I'm not sure I believe that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. I'm not sure. Well, 
That's all right. God's sure that your life is intended to be a letter written by the Holy Spirit to the world. And so we need to begin to see that our lives are to be the story about Jesus and his love. And that the world should be able to see in us that story. But, having said that, but, this didn't just happen by chance with the Thessalonians. And this is the second truth that we need to get today. We must allow, ask, and trust God to make this the story of our lives. Now, I think that's a pretty good working definition, if I do say so myself, of faith. Allowing, asking, trusting God. Throughout the story of the Thessalonians, we find evidence of this. So let's look at a couple different places in the, in the story, in the lives of the Thessalonians. We, we already saw what Timothy had to say in 1 Thessalonians 3. He, he told stories about the good news about your faith and love. In chapter 4, verse 9, we see, you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. That implies a faith relationship with God. And then in the second letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, we find these words, your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. And so what we see is that this, this idea of love, this idea of being the story of God's love to the world, wasn't formed out of some vacuum. It didn't just happen. It, it wasn't due to how nice they were, or, or even good deeds that they did. This love has a very specific source, a very specific source. This isn't just about being good people in the world. Its source was the very presence and power of God in their lives because of their faith in Jesus. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives in you and in me, and it lived in them their love for and their life in Christ caused their lives to become a story about God's love for them and the world. It wasn't something that they manufactured. It was something they became because of who they were as followers of Jesus. The truth, and it is a very hard truth, is this. You cannot love like Jesus, period, on your own. I cannot love like Jesus on my own. On my own, I am bent inward. So are you. So is our world. We live, we live in a culture that bends itself inward, that even, even, even affirms and applauds the bending of ourselves in on ourselves. So, left to my own devices, I'm a problem, E. Stanley Jones said. Left to myself, I'm a problem. But left to God, I'm a possibility. <laughs> you see, it all begins in our relationship with Jesus. It's, 
allowing him to be Lord, to be the one who reigns over me. Oh, reign over me. It continues in our asking God to fill us with his Holy Spirit and his living presence. See, that's the living presence of God. It's his very spirit in our lives. And it grows as we trust God to actually do this and we actually seek to love other people. J.D. Walt captures this for me so clearly when he writes, when faith becomes love, power becomes palpable. Let that turn over in your mind and heart for a moment. When faith becomes love, power becomes palpable. You know it when you've seen it. When faith becomes love, you know it when you've seen it. Because the power of God becomes real and palpable until faith becomes love. The power of God is unseen. But it's then that it becomes palpable. That's what happened to these people in northern Greece, in this world that was anything but Christian. This is how chapter 1 puts it. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, and I'll get it, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. Because of that, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ came to them with such power, not just with knowledge in their mind, but actuating it in life. They became imitators of the apostles and of the Lord. He says they became models. They became a model of what it looks like to be a believer. Where in Macedonia and Achaia? Where in one of the least Christian places? The Lord's message rang out from you. That means they were telling the story about Jesus as they were living the story of Jesus. And it says, there it is, your faith in God, again, has become known everywhere. And remember verse 10? Your love is what you're known for throughout Macedonia. Now, I think we read words like this in the Bible and we think to ourselves, oh, you know, it was a much simpler day then and much easier and all that. Or these must have been like the super Christians because they were closer in time to the time when Jesus was here or some other things we think about. But these were not super Christians. In fact, when you read all of 1 Thessalonians, you understand the reason why Paul is writing to them is because they're being persecuted, because they're suffering, because they're going through difficulties in life, because they are encountering a very harsh reality in a very harsh world. They're facing hardships, persecutions. They're facing the issues that one faces in a culture where they are viewed out of sync with the culture. where Christianity is out of sync with the prevailing thought in the culture. But because of God's presence, they loved like Jesus. Their faith became known. And they proved this one truth found in Galatians 5. They proved that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. A really, really healthy translation of that verse would be this. The only thing that adds up when it comes to this faith piece, you see, that word counts is an accounting term. 
It literally is an accounting term that talks about what adds up right. The only thing that adds up in this whole idea of this faith is faith expressing itself through love. So what do we do now? How do we make sure this good thing does not come to an end? How do we become and keep becoming the story of Jesus and his love to our neighbors and to our coworkers and to our families, to our brothers and sisters in Christ in the church? Well, Paul prays a prayer for the Thessalonians that I believe should be our prayer as we conclude this series. Look at this prayer. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Would you pray that for me? Would you please pray that for me? If, if you don't know what to pray for me, would you just copy down 1 Thessalonians 3.12 and would you just start praying that for me? And can I pray that for you? And what would happen if we began to pray that for one another and for ourselves? Because you see, it's not something you can manufacture. It is a gift from God that he gives to us as we ask him, as we allow him, as we ask him, as we trust him. Let's read this prayer out loud together. Here we go. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Maybe another way we can pray it is this way. May you and I be mindful of Christ and place our faith in him. May we be available and open to Christ. May we be filled with the grace of Christ. May we be bold in declaring our need of Christ. May we be surrendered to Christ and be like Christ in sacrificially self-giving. You see, the Holy Spirit is the one and the only one who can empower us to this. But boy, when we allow Him to do that, when we allow God's presence to do this. What a story our lives will tell. Wherever we find ourselves, wherever we find ourselves. And imagine the answer then to the question, so what are you known for? The story of Jesus and his love. I invite you to stand as our worship team comes this morning. And as we sing in closing the song, Spirit of the Living God, this song really gets to our need of God to work in our lives in this way. Let's pray together. And then as we sing together, I invite you to make this song not only your prayer, but our prayer. And whatever place in your life, whatever area in your life, whatever space in your life, you need to reveal the story of Jesus and his love. 
I invite you just to offer that to them as we're singing. If you wanted to come and kneel and pray, you're welcome to, always welcome to. But most importantly, don't leave here today just leaving this on the Sunday morning church shelf to run out and grab something else off the Sunday afternoon after church shelf. But rather, ask the Spirit of God and allow the Spirit of God and trust the Spirit of God, which is the presence of God in our life. Ask him to fill us with this love, to empower us with this love, to love through us with this love. And here's the beautiful thing. He wants that more for us than we even want it for ourselves. How good is our God? So let's sing this together. And so I pray that as we go from here today, we will let him do what only he can do. Amen? It's not something that you and I are going to manufacture. We're not going to be good enough. I'm not good at loving other people without Jesus. It's not. But it's what he and only he can do. And that's what grace is about. Not just about the grace that forgives us, it's the grace that transforms us and makes us like him. So, may we go and may we walk into the adventure of what only God by his spirit can do in the power and the presence of Jesus in our lives. Amen? God bless you. May you go in the love of Jesus and may you be his story. You're dismissed.